Welcome to the Dear White Women podcast. We're your hosts, Sarah and Misasha. And today we're coming at you with a special bonus update on a certain ban on hair discrimination that was passed in California recently. I mean, since we're on a kick for current events the last couple of episodes anyway, why not? We do love them. We love them. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked a lot about microaggressions and implicit bias, as well as overt racism on this podcast so far, if you've been listeners. And we actually do have a whole episode already recorded on the history of black hair in this country. And we will have a second part that features some of the more first-person narratives that you all seem to love so much, which we're very grateful for. But in the interim, because that'll come out later this summer, we have some big news coming from the state of California talking about hair. Let's let's discuss this, Misasha. I'm happy that this is my state, but on Wednesday, so this was last Wednesday, Wednesday, July 3rd, um, from when we're recording this, the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, signed into law the Crown Act, which is a bill making California the first state to ban workplace and school discrimination against black people for wearing hairstyles such as braids, twists, and locks. This was introduced by Democratic Senator Holly Mitchell of Los Angeles, a black woman who wears her hair in locks. And as a side note, locks are the term that most black people prefer instead of dreadlocks, which contains more pejorative meaning. So locks refers to what we have historically called dreadlocks, makes California the first state to explicitly say that those hairstyles are associated with race and therefore protected against discrimination in the workplace and in schools. Mitchell, when asked about this, said, we are changing the course of history, hopefully, across this country by acknowledging that what has been defined as professional hairstyles and attire in the workplace has historically been based on a Eurocentric model based on straight hair. Which it has, right? I think the text of the measure states that throughout its history, the United States has been riddled with laws and societal norms that equated blackness, in quotes, and the associated physical traits, for example, dark skin or kinky and curly hair. And it associates that with inferiority and sometimes still subject to separate and unequal treatment. And this is, I find this so fascinating because when we talk to one of our interviewees, he will talk about this topic of hair. He will relay a story about workplace and hair and how that has been connected for him. But professionalism was and still is closely linked to European features and mannerisms. And so if they don't, other people have to fit that, right? How many times as a woman also have you felt like you have to fit the male norm, the masculine norm? Well, similarly, the population that does not have Eurocentric features feels like they need to, or European features, feels like they need to be moving in that direction in order to be considered professional. Right. And the AP article that we read in prepping for this bonus had some great first-person narratives in which there was one woman named Stephanie Hunter Ray, who works at a makeup counter, said she typically wears her hair braided or in an afro, but one day she showed up to work with it straightened and styled in a bob, so a more Eurocentric look. Her manager that day told Hunter Ray hair had never looked so normal. It bothered me. What do you mean my normal? Your normal is not my normal. My normal is my fro or my braids. Then another woman who runs a sacred crown salon in Sacramento, Alika Hatchet Fall, said she's had black men come into her salon asking to have their hair cut off because they can't find jobs. The law, she said, means that psychologically and mentally people can be at ease and be able to get the jobs they want, keep the jobs they want, and get promoted at the jobs they want. It's 
Awesome. I mean, the new law takes effect January 1st, and it really is significant because federal courts have historically said that hair is a characteristic that can be changed, meaning that there's no basis for discrimination complaints based on hairstyle. And the U.S. Supreme Court recently declined to hear the case of an Alabama woman who said she didn't get a job because she refused to change her hair. Yeah, and I think this issue has really became public last December when there was a black high school wrestler in New Jersey who was told by a referee that he had to cut off his locks if he wanted to compete. And Gavin Newsom, in signing this bill, stated that this video was a clear example of the discrimination black Americans face. He stated his decision whether or not to lose an athletic competition or lose his identity came into, I think, stark terms for millions of Americans, that it is played out in workplaces, it's played out in schools, not just athletic competitions and settings every single day all across America in ways subtle and overt. And although California is the first state with such a law coming into effect, New York City earlier this year issued legal guidance banning discrimination against someone based on their hairstyle. And the beauty company Dove is part of a coalition pushing for more hairstyle protections. And Mitchell said she hopes other states follow California. And we are on that same page. Yay, California. This is fantastic way to lead the charge. Yes. Her bill adds language to the state's discrimination laws to say that race also includes traits historically associated with race, including hair texture and protective hairstyles. And protective hairstyles are defined as braids, twists and locks. So that is a great addition to what is considered to be a characteristic of race and is therefore protected in a much larger legal way than before. I'm so excited to hear about the impact, hopefully positive, that this has on black and brown individuals who've been forced to wear their hair in ways not, quote, normal to them, right? Natural, and in order to be considered normal by everyone else. So I'm excited. Hopefully you guys can subscribe, rate, and review us. Be sure to get all the episodes related to hair coming up later this summer. And in the meanwhile, go California. Yeah. And one last topic, or one last point on the topic of hair, we wanted to give a big plug to Barbershop Books, who were just featured in the New York Times and are adding a layer of involvement into the importance of black barbershops in the United States, this time focusing on the literacy of black boys. They bring in many book libraries and bookshelves basically into barbershops with magazines and books designed for boys to be reading while they're waiting, have men who are at the barbershop read to boys in a way that is promoting literacy, promoting male connection and promoting black culture in within the barbershop culture. So they have a great website, Google them, look them up in that New York Times article. They are amazing. Fantastic. Oh, and one last on the very I, last topic. Of I was just going to say, wait, I was. Reading. I know. Well, I can't go can't U.S. Let it go. soccer team. Yay. Yay. Um, as you've probably seen on our social media, we have been huge fans of the U.S. women's national team and loved their win over the Netherlands in the women's in FIFA World Cup. But if you heard the chants of the crowd when the FIFA president came out, the chants changed from, you know, USA to equal pay, which is pretty amazing. And I'm going to put that on loop anytime I need like a pick me up. But we are reminded by after this great win, we are still fighting that fight for equal pay still in 2019. And this time, arguably equal pay for better work because the women's team draws in more revenue, brings more crowds and is the number one ranked team in the world. It is a dynasty, whereas the men's is somewhere, I don't know, arguably 20th. 
So, and one, there's a great article out there about why women's soccer in the United States has taken off and it is title nine is affirmative action. Going back to some of our earlier episodes where we've talked about why this is important to everyone. This women's soccer is a direct result of that. So keep watching this space, keep checking out their mediation for equal pay. Fingers crossed that it happens. Hope you liked the little bonus episode. If you love what you're hearing, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating and review while you're at it. Also, if you're looking for some great email, who isn't, sign up on our website, dearwhitewomen.com, and get our weekly email every Wednesday that gives you special bonus insider tips. You can also find us on social media. Sarah, can you tell us where to find? Absolutely. On Facebook and Instagram at Dear White Women Podcast and on Twitter at DWW Podcast. Find us there.